Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. We're back for the final regular season Monday edition of The Athletic Hockey Show. It's Mendes and McKenzie, Julian and Ian uh, with you for an hour. We're excited because we got some great races going on, including the team you covered, Julian. Calgary Flames, uh, they're in the heat of a race. We got we, you know, the Bruins on the, the, the verge of doing something historic. We're going to talk the other side of the equation, too, with tanking. But you know where I want to start this week, this week's uh, pod with, though, Julian? Because you and I have Tell had me. this debate before, and it happened again this weekend. And that's the E-Bug. The emergency mm. backup goalie gets put into a game that he doesn't have to get into this time it's Toronto with Jet Alexander plays the final 70 seconds of their lopsided win over the Habs. And I told you a couple of weeks ago, I whenever this happened with Edmonton, right? Edmonton did it to Chicago. And my concern is, man, like the emergency backup goalie is there only break in case, you know, break the glass if you need it. Otherwise, I don't want to be putting people into games when they don't have to be. It happened again. And I don't want to be that guy. I want to I want to enjoy it. Should I just do I need to just loosen up here and enjoy the fact that we're letting these e-bugs play games cuz I'm willing to be yes. talked into it. Okay. Here's the thing. Talk, like, me, into Alexander, Talk me into it. Jed Alexander played an insignificant amount of time in that game which was very much already like in the books, you know? So there was no harm for him to be in the game. There's no harm if he had taken a shot. It's my understanding he didn't take a shot. Like he no. was just there. He got to step onto the ice. He got to live his moment. He got to take part in a rivalry featuring two original six teams. Uh, he will. His dad is a Habs fan, so like that's something that will stay with that young man forever. The one thing I don't like about that, the one thing I don't like about that, is Sheldon Keefe afterwards, like kind of making it seem with his comments that like it wasn't his decision so like you know if you're wondering is it kyle dubas did brendan shanahan step in i don't like the idea of us wondering like oh is someone going over top the head coach and saying okay is this happening i don't like that but maybe that's a separate thing but other than that i think the idea of playing an emergency backup goaltender 
putting him in a game, especially at a point where, you know, it's not going to affect the outcome. It's just yeah. a cool moment where the player gets to, you know, live like an NHLer for a couple of seconds at a game. Even if he allows a goal, like, I whatever, you're still going to win the game. Like, I don't know. I think it's, I think the people who are up in arms about that, it's a bit weird to see. I saw the Chris Weidman quote saying like, hey, the Leafs are going to get what's coming to them. So, of course, yeah, Toronto fans are up in arms about that. But like, so I, I think it was cool to see Jed Alexander get his moment. You know, it's cool. I think it's, it's a fun thing to see. And I, and I, I wish people weren't so stuck up about it. They can go. Well, he shouldn't be playing. It's just a break class and emergency. Like, fine, that does exist. But like, is that is that my voice now? Like, that's that's uh, that's your impression no, of me. You're, no, I, your voice is not that deep. <laughs> but okay, so let's let's go back to the Chris Weidman comments. Montreal defenseman Chris Weidman was asked about the Leafs putting their e bug into the game. Jed Alexander, yep. and the quote from Chris Weidman is, "quote They'll get what they deserve in a few weeks." End quote. So. Clearly, as much as, you know, there's one side of the equation that loves the idea. It's a storybook uh, type of narrative. And hey, look, we feel good. The other side of the coin is <clears throat> there's another team out there that feels like, okay, now you're mocking us. And now you're, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're disrespecting your opponent when you put in basically somebody off the streets. Now, the counter argument to that is you don't want that to happen. Don't don't get down by five goals. Like, so look, I get that. Yeah. Don't disrespect your fans by playing the way you play sure. to get yourself in that but point. I, okay. Here's my concern. Okay. And I, I, I don't want it. I don't, I don't want it to come across as I'm up in arms in this. Okay. Because I'm not, I'm look, there's more things to be up in arms about in sports than the usage of emergency backup goalies in hockey. Okay. So I, I want this to come across as this is just my concern. I'm not like up in arms, super mad. What happens if if this continues and all it's going to take is one unfortunate play where a goaltender who's not used to the pace or the s- speed of a shot takes one in a spot where it's not comfortable and there's an injury or a concussion. And it, my concern is now we're having a different conversation. That's all. I these are professional athletes at the highest level. It's not a it's not a a, a dream camp where you get to spend a, you know Hang out with the pros. Like this is an actual game. That's my concern. That's all. I don't get it. It they're 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 in the game. They play hockey at some level. They naturally understand there's some kind of risk that they could incur, regardless of whatever level they play in. I mean, the only thing I'm worried, the one thing I would wonder about is if if the e-bug gets injured in that circumstance, and this is me generally asking the question. Do they become that team's responsibility? Does that team have to put them on injured reserve? Well, well, uh, do they have to yeah. sign anything extra? Like, 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 like. I guess to that effect, I could understand that concern, and I'm not that educated enough enough to know. Like, okay, are they gonna have to put them on injured reserve? Or is that like, like, what if not to go even more extreme? What if a goalie like really like goes through something bad, like really bad, like long term injured reserve bad? Like, does the team have to put them on? LTIR to like accommodate for that or probably not. I don't think so. Or injured reserve. Couldn't they, if they're on an ATO as it is, couldn't they just release them from the ATO? Well, no, I don't think you can release somebody who's been injured while you were paying them. You can't, you have to take care of their medical costs, right? And you'd have to take care of, I don't think you have to pay them. 
I, I think there would probably be when you sign a one day contract, there's probably an explicit understanding. It's a one day contract. This isn't a in perpetuity like that part. I understand. But but you would I would think you'd be on the hook, wouldn't you, for uh, medical bills? I think. I mean, that would make sense to me, yeah. I guess, if you're but, under okay. the team, I, I guess. But I, I'm willing yeah. to admit that I've got. OK, I'm willing to admit I need to embrace it. I just need some time. Let me come around on this one. I just, you know, I feel like I, I'm more I'm more Chris Weidman than anything. I will meet you in the middle and say that the possibility of an e-bug getting injured, I can understand the concerns that could come with that if it means the team has to put them on injured reserve. And I mean, if they don't have to pay them or if they don't have to count on their cap, like if it's coming out of their costs, I mean, maybe it shouldn't be a bigger deal. But like, I, I will admit I have questions about that scenario. But other than that, I don't really see what the big deal is. I wonder, like, uh, like uh, people who listen to this podcast, you're also fans of other sports, too. Like, I've always thought, like, like you've watched baseball games and you've seen games where a team is is just getting obliterated and they either run out of pitchers, they don't have pitchers available. Like, it's it's is it kind of weird that hockey is the only sport that has this mechanism in place? Like, in baseball, for example, on some level, I could understand if there was, like, a, a college pitcher or, like, a, a semi-pro pitcher in the area that, hey, listen, we just need somebody to eat one inning. You know what I mean? We need somebody to come in. We're, we're, we're down 19 to 2. We've blown through the bullpen on the weekend. Like, we don't want to put a position player in because we don't want them getting hurt. Like, is there a way we just get a guy come in? We just need to throw 85 miles an hour. Just we'll get, we'll get three outs. We'll get out of it. Like, it's, it is kind of interesting that hockey is the only sport that seemingly has this, right? I guess. I mean, free agents exist for, for every one of those sports you're probably thinking of where they could, in theory, in sign game. a guy off the but street. Not in game. No, not like, in game. No. Yeah. That, that's right. what hockey has, though. Like, in game, basically, we've got a guy sitting there waiting to go. It's 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 really – it's it's just such an interesting thing. And I know, I know the way to solve this is every team carries three goalies. But as we've talked about before, and I know you've talked to goalies or goalie coaches, teams hate carrying three goalies, right? Like they just, yeah. they hate it because the just, there's only two nets at practice. So one guy isn't getting reps. One guy isn't ready. And you know, so it's anyway, it's a weird one. I'm willing to come around on it. Okay. I'm willing to come around on it. Just, yeah. But I just, I just, the one thing I just want to say is that I really didn't like how, at least just, I tried to keep an eye on it on Twitter. I didn't like how the discourse around that was just getting so hyped up on this guy playing and and but, go, people going back and forth and maybe because it's Montreal Toronto it's supposed to do it's supposed I to be that so. way. I think that's it too because you know just it seems like whenever those two fan bases collide, there's a lot of nasty stuff that gets said. It's just like it's just an e bug. It's just a guy who played an insignificant part of that game. The Canadians should have done a lot better in that game. I get that they're they they've they've been injured to hell and back in certain respects, but like seven one against the Leafs in any circumstance is unacceptable. Uh, I could imagine for them. So the fact that they were in a position where like the Leafs could do that, like, sorry, I don't feel bad for Chris Wyman and the Canadians. Like when he says they they get what's coming to them, like, I'm like, all right, like that's that's a bit extreme. I think Mike Matheson had a better quote about that. I think I don't have it off the top of my head, but he seemed to be a little bit more reasonable with his take. I just think that you know it's just a guy. He did his thing. He played for a couple seconds, and it. Didn't nobody died? No one broke anything. It's okay, and I don't under. And I think in moments like this, where you get to see something cool like that, fans enjoy it, players enjoy it. It's a cool story for everybody. 
like why are we taking away people people like to say oh you know you journalists like to not focus on good story why are we taking away from a potential good story i think that's a cool thing to have happen i get it's happened for other teams too but like what's wrong with that looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. A cool thing that did happen on the weekend, we got to tip our cap to Boston Bruins. Julian, you and I have talked about this all year. This is a ridiculous run they've been on. Uh, they set the NHL record for most wins in a single season. They beat the Flyers. Uh, they can actually eclipse the points record. Uh, they're at 131. The record is 132 by the Habs in the 70s there. Uh, they can eclipse it by collecting two more points in their final two games. They have a game against Washington Tuesday. And then how about this? They get Montreal, right, on, uh, uh, on, on, on Thursday night. At the Bell Center of all places. Like, there's part of me that thinks that'd be pretty cool if the Bruins have to beat the Habs to break the all-time points record and this collection of kind of ragtag, you know, Habs players have to try and defend the honor of it. But look, the Bruins have set a record with 63 wins. Uh, They're certainly going to end up with, with, uh, you know, north of 130 points. If we ask the question to the listener, do the Boston Bruins deserve the mantle of the most dominant regular season team in history? What's our answer here? What's your answer on this one? If they're able to get that points record too, because they already have the record for most wins, yes, I think it's more than fair to call them the most dominant team in NHL history just off the fact that they've been able to get the wins they've been able to get. Uh, Linus Olmark and Jerry Swayman have been really good in net, and their numbers reflect that as well. David Posternock is a 60-goal scorer. But it's still kind of wild that like the rest of his teammates, when you look at how their points are staggered up, I, I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head, but like, you know, it's 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 basically David Posternock up the top, and then like Brad Marchand's a little bit further down, essentially. Like it's not as if like you have like the Oilers where you have uh two players, uh actually is it three it's three players well, in the hundred points. Yep. Right. Or, or or Colorado, where for the first time since 95, 96, they have teammates who are also in, at the 100-point plateau. Like, it's cool to – it's wild to see, like, David Pasternak score 60 goals in a season, and he's, like, their high-point guy. And then you kind of have to go further down the list to see another Boston Bruin. Like, I don't know how far down, maybe, what, 40s and the 50s? Well, like, I, I think at one point – uh, Marchand was second in team scoring, but was like 55th in the overall race. I don't know where he is as we're having this conversation today, but he's probably between 50 and 60, if I had to guess. Um, 
81? 81? No okay, way. There you go. There you no go. No yeah. way. I'm going off of points. There's like, you mean to tell me between where David Posternock is, and, and pr- producer Chris can help us out with this too. David Posternock, as we record this, is fourth in points. Yeah. At 109. And you mean to tell me that I have to go all the way down to 81 before I find another uh, Boston Bruin, like among the leading scorers. Like, that's really interesting to me. The fact that they've been able to have such a dominant team, but it's not because three or four guys are driving the bus at the front. One guy is is having a spectacular season. In fact, four goals off of Connor McDavid. You know, there, there's still a stone's throw chance that the Rocky Richard Trophy uh, could not go to Connor McDavid. But that's if David Pasternak has an incredible end to the year. But all that to say, like that, that has to speak to 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 the team playing as a unit and just kind of playing collectively, right? And not just yep. two or three individuals carrying everyone, right? Well, listen, our producer Chris has uh, just says Marshand right now technically is seventy seventh in league score. Okay, so, so the, tied. The, the, but even the then, like that's still insane. Point remains the same. Yeah, that that that's a significant gap. And and look, if Connor McDavid didn't exist. David Pasternak would have a pretty darn good case to be league MVP uh, this season, right? Like, I, agree. I think, look, there, there's a few other guys. I think Robertson's been wonderful in Dallas. Uh, you know, look, there's, there's a few other guys. I think Matt Kachuk, if, if the Panthers get in, uh, there's lots of candidates. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. If I don't mention your team's favorite guy, it's not because I'm slighting them. I just, I think the gap between Breaking McDavid news, and every. Mendes hits your player. That's right. Uh, The gap between McDavid and everybody else is huge. But what Julian and I are saying, don't sleep on the gap between Pasternak and the rest of his teammates because it's awfully similar. Like it's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Like, but to me, like the Bruins are going to end up with, you know, single season wins record. I always think of that Habs team that has the record. They only lost eight games in regulation time that year. They went 60 Mm -hmm. wins. Eight losses, 12 ties. Now, there's obviously no ties. So it's a bit harder to do the apples-to-apples comparison, right? Like, uh, because of the, the the way the points are doled out and their shootouts and that type of thing. But, man, like, they, they've put themselves in the conversation. But oh, let me ask you this, though, okay? Because the NBA and the NHL have similar schedules in terms of, you know, you can you play 82 games. And the, in the NBA, we've seen multiple teams win 70 games in the season, right? The Bulls won 72, Golden State won 73. I think I've come down on the fact we'll never, even with the shootout, we'll never see an NHL team win 70 games, right? Like, if Boston got to 63 this year, and that's the record, and we've, we live in this era of parity and the cap, I feel like that we'll never see 70 wins, right? Like, I, I don't even know if we'll... If, if Boston could get to 65, that would be remarkable to me. 70 wins? Like, I don't think we'll ever see 70 wins in the NHL. Like 70 wins. So that means there are 12 games that, that you don't win. That team would not win. And their record would be could easily be like 75 and 7. Yeah. That's insane to me. That would be like the most dominant. Like if they lost, imagine that team loses in the first round or something. Oh, because they just they'd run into the hottest goalie and they would lose in six games. And three of the games would go to overtime. You know it. It'd be the dumbest thing. Yeah. It'd be it would be the one of the it'd be one of the greatest upsets in NHL history at that point. Like it like that would 
if I was on that team, that pissed me off. It's like you go through all that regular season winning, and then all of a sudden, like you yeah. go to the playoffs. I mean, that's why you got to play through the playoffs, I guess. But like you got you got to take care of yourself there. But like, I I wonder. I don't know. I like, don't think so. I don't think we'll ever see. I, I, I don't think, think whatever. So. Like, if the Bruins even get to 65, like, think of, like imagine an NHL team has won 65 out of 82 games. Like, stop and appreciate that for a second, right? That they would have only lost 17 times this season. It, it's crazy. It is remarkable what they've done. And well, you, gold with, differential, with the way that we're all talk, of it. With the way that we're talking about the Boston Bruins, you'd think we both uh, have them pegged as a Stanley Cup finalist. I know. And yet we don't. And yet there's a... We don't. <laughs> You know what? And it's nothing against the Bruins. It's just I feel like I've seen this movie before. And it's not just Tampa in 2019. It's uh, it's the Red Wings in the mid-90s. It's some great teams in other other seasons that were historically good that just, you know, went. went. In fact, you know, Boston, arguably the Bruins' best regular season before this was back in the 70s. And they had Bobby Orr and Esposito. And like I think it's the 1971 season. There were it was arguably the best season they ever had. They'd won the Stanley Cup the year before. They're the best team in the on the planet, and it's not even close. The playoffs were just supposed to be a coronation ceremony, and they get taken out by uh, Ken Dryden, who I think at that point had like six games under his belt. And that's what hockey does. It just has these weird things where goalies come out and steal. It's just too random for my liking. That's all. Like, I love the Bruins, what they've done this year. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, this is not meant to be, dis- it's more of a statement on yeah. how difficult it is in a field of 16 when it feels like a hot goalie can steal a series that I feel like it's going to be impossible for them to replicate this into the postseason. And if they find a way, so we should say this first before I say what I also want to say too. If they find a way to make it to the Stanley Cup final, that's going to be so impressive. And if they yeah. find a way to win it, like being a team that wire to wire, like, how many times has that happened in NHL history where a team was wire to wire, like the best team from the beginning of the year, essentially to the end, the very end? How many times has that happened in NHL history? Like the very best. Like, because you, you can be a president, because I mean, I guess you'd have to go back and figure out like when exactly the Bruins became like first took hold of first place, like proper. But like, it but doesn't it's, it's feel been as since if, like, Halloween. Like, yeah, essentially. Pretty much. Like, maybe the first couple like, weeks of the season when everybody was playing equal games, they were, you know. But really, since Halloween, they've been the best team. And it hasn't even, even been particularly close. And how many times has that happened in NHL history where a team essentially goes wire to wire? They were the best team from the near beginning of the regular season. They never let up throughout the year. They make the playoffs. They go to the Stanley Cup final, and then they win. Like, I'm sure you could go back. You can figure that out. But, like, that's... That, I think, would make it super impressive for this team to do. And I hope I know people might be like, oh, well, they're the best team all year. It goes to the best team. But like, I think in this case, it would be super impressive. The one thing I wonder, though, let's say the Boston Bruins suffer a fate where they get bounced in the first round, maybe even round two. And maybe I'm just projecting here is if the Bruins fail to reach round three, they reach, they fail to reach the conference final. Is that when we start talking about making the president's trophy more meaningful than it is? Because at that point, if you have the most dominant regular season possible 
and you get nothing to show for it. Like, I I don't know how you, like, I wonder how people would react to that. Well, let me put it this way. I'm going to ask you a quick question here. I'm going to put you on the spot. Sure. Who's the last President's Trophy winning team to reach the Stanley Cup final? To reach the Stanley Cup final. Last time a President's Trophy winning team reached the Stanley Cup final. What, What would your answer be? I was just looking at this, wasn't it? It's either Chicago or Boston. Yeah. Yeah. It's Chicago in the lockout shortened 2013 season. Uh, The last time a team, a president's trophy winning team got to the final in a full 82 game season. It's Vancouver in 2011. And see now Boston fans will appreciate that. Uh, And the only team in the salary cap era, to play an entire full 82-game schedule, win the President's Trophy in the regular season, and then win the Stanley Cup? 2008 Detroit Red Wings. That's it. That's the list. In a full 82-game season? In a full 82-game season in the salary cap era, it would be the Detroit Red Wings of 07-08. That's it. President's Trophy and then Stanley Cup. It's wild to me. And that that's why, like, I always think about, like, with the Bruins, like I said, like, it's the Tampa team that gives me flashbacks. It's Detroit from the mid-90s. I even think about, you know, the best team that the Pittsburgh Penguins ever put together, Julian, in the early 90s, was the team that actually got bounced in round two in 1993. Like, they got, Mario was humming that year. He came back from cancer, had his, statistically, that was Lemieux's best season. Penguins had their best regular season out in round two. I even think about the Oilers. The Oilers' best season in the Gretzky era, if I'm not mistaken, was 1986. And that, I think that was the first year they ever handed out the President's Trophy. You know how that season ended? With Steve Smith accidentally scoring on himself in the <laughs> no. seventh game. Like, it is so weird to me how, like, the better you are as a regular season team and win the President's Trophy, it just, okay. I got one other thing to, to throw at you from this. Okay. Sure. Tell me. So I could be, yeah. Okay. No team has ever finished a, a, a regular season, a president's trophy, like a president's trophy winning season where they had 119 points or more and then won the Stanley cup. Like wrap your head around that for a second. So, the following teams won the President's Trophy, finished with at least 119 points. Okay? There's only a handful of them. Here's right. what happened to them. The Oilers in 1986, they got Steve Smith. Steve the Smith, Penguins yes. in 1993, uh, I guess we could say they got David Volokt. Is that a word? Is that a verb? It is. David Volokt took them yeah, out. Yeah, Mark. Okay? La- that was a very happy day for Mark Lazarus that day. That's right. Young Mark Lazarus. 1996, Detroit has 131 points. They get taken out in round two. That's that spicy series with the Avalanche and Lemieux and Draper and all that stuff, okay? Mm -hmm. The Detroit Red Wings in 2006 had 124 points. They got taken out by an upstart Chris Pronger and uh, Dwayne Rollison and the Oilers that year. Oh, yeah, that year. Okay? The Washington Capitals in 2010 oh, won I remember, the President's I, I, Trophy 
with 121 points. And what do we say? What happened to them, Julian? They got halacked. There you go. See, it is a verb. It, you got halacked. If you, Washington- if you walk around certain parts of Montreal, you will still find someone on a shirt somewhere, some sign that says a stop sign that says Halak. Halak. That's how big of a deal that it's was. It's just Alan Walsh is just still printing those out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then the Capitals. Shout out, Alan. The Capitals in 2016, they do it. They get to 120 points. They get taken out by their nemesis, the Penguins, in round two. Penguins will go on to win the cup that year. They beat San Jose. Tampa Bay gets 128 points in 2019. They get bounced in round one by Columbus. We all remember that was one of the most shocking sweeps in the history of the NHL. And then and, last and, and, hold year. On, hold on a second. Hold on a second. And, 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 and you know what's wild too? Like you could point to some of those other teams. Like, I mean, Montreal, they, they you know, there are, some, there are some of those franchises that get upsets over those president winning teams, but the president trophy winning teams. They have history of them doing it. Columbus, when they did that, over Tampa. Do you know how many times they had won a series before then? Do you remember that? They had that was that was their first ever win, right? That was their first ever series win. Yeah, so it's not yeah. even like, okay, like these teams just run into other buzzsaws that get right at the hot time and they just they know what to do in the playoffs. Columbus was just coached by John Tortorella, who knows a thing or two about Tampa, and like won. Like it's such a weird, freaky thing. Anyway. Right? It is. So, and then the last instance of this, the Florida Panthers last year, 122 points, President's Trophy, bounced in round two by the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion and their state uh, rival, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, Julian, by my count, the Boston Bruins are the ninth team to be awarded the President's Trophy, finish the season with more than 119 points. The previous eight, none of them won the Stanley Cup. What? Wait, and I have in a fact, question. if I'm not mistaken, I when I just ran that through, none of them even got to the cup, right? When I just ran through that? Yeah. None of them got to the I, cup. It, I'm actually, the follow-up question I wanted to ask, how many of those teams made it to the conference final? Detroit did for sure in 96. That when with Lemieux and Draper and all that, that was in the conference final for sure. Uh, the rest, okay, I don't so think so. at least so. one. That's it. I think that's it. You mean, like that's one it. of yeah, them Yeah, I just double-checked. So, that's it. So, so to the so to all the people who are listening, who are Boston Bruins fans, who are thinking, okay, well, you guys are trying to put this bad juju on this team and trying to just speak to the negative, I will reiterate again: if the Boston Bruins make it to the Stanley Cup final, like that has to be recognized as an impressive thing to do, considering yep. uh, how teams who have won the Presidents Trophy as dominant as they have, or almost as dominant as they have, have failed not even at the final hurdle, have just like failed right at the starting gun, essentially at the, in, for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, if the, if the Bruins do this and they make us look foolish, like, they should be celebrated. I mean, they need to win the Cup ultimately to get the full praise, but that would still be yep. a remarkable achievement. And again, like, if they don't make it, like, I, I think we need to have a conversation about the President's Trophy and how, like, it has... It already has little to no meaning, but I really think like if you go through all that trouble and like you win all those games, you put yourself in the best possible position to, you know, be a top seed and blow through and and give yourself all these advantages. And I get some people are going to listen to this and be like, oh, well, they did all they could do. You shouldn't feel bad. 
But like playing through an 82 game season is hard. And you ain't going to get nothing for it. Like I, I get it. The Stanley Cup is the ultimate prize to get. But like, I, I like if you, if you do a president's, I, I look at it this way. And you can tell me if I'm, I'm wild. And look, we're going to get to the draft lottery portion of this. And I have more weird ideas. Why don't we have for the president's trophy just to avoid all this, you know, uselessness for this trophy? Why don't we have the trophy as a, as the prize you get for an in-season tournament? And if you win that, you clinch a playoff spot. If you're a team like the Boston Bruins, it's having a dominant year as it is. Like, at least it's something. I mean, maybe it's nothing, but like, say like something happens and you have all these injuries and you fall off. You're guaranteed that playoff spot. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like if you're a President's Trophy winning team, maybe it's because I'm a soccer fan and I'm used to seeing Premier League and like you go through a 38 game season. And if it's as dominant as it is, whether you had like an Invincibles type of year, like what Arsenal has had or 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 whatever City has had or United has had in the year, like they get rewarded at the end of the year with some kind of trophy that matters because winning all those regular season games, you know, all those games we sit through and 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 you know, kind of parse through and be like, oh, is this team going to be good? Is this team's going to be good, whatever in the playoffs. Like that has to matter. Like if it if it's only that the Stanley Cup matters and only the playoffs matter, then maybe we shouldn't have a regular season in the first place. You know, aside from revenues and all that, maybe I'm yeah. going a little off script. But like, come on, it's like abolish it the regular if you're, season. If you're uh, Boston, no, if you're all the, those teams, and you've had a dominant season as well as you've had, and it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, I get it's your problem, but also. I think there should be something there, some kind of incentive to do well in the in the regular season. Because now you're listing off all those teams who were as good as they were. Like, why should I put my team in a position where they should be the absolute best team? Beyond home ice advantage, which I, which I could still get if I'm second, third, or fourth seeded. The takeaway for coaches is if you're in first place and on track for a president's trophy, you got to stop at 118 points. That seems to be the magic cutoff. Anything more than 118 points and a President's Trophy is like the kiss of death. It's crazy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking about finishing first overall. What about 32nd overall? And that has come to the forefront over the last few days. Both uh, Sean McIndoo, Down Goes Brown, and Mark Lazarus uh, wrote uh, columns in the last few days about tanking. Down Goes Brown's idea was hilarious, which is basically the 16 non-playoff teams. It's like the buddy system. And the 16 non-playoff teams get to draft a team that they want to attach themselves to and if that team wins the Stanley Cup, they get the first pick overall. It's it's weird. It's fun. It's it's so stupid. It just might work, but it, we know it'll never happen. But I, I don't mind that. Lazarus writes about, look, Chicago should feel awful uh, about this season, and the fans are feeling conflicted, and yet, you know, they beat Calgary, and they're like, oh, no, we shouldn't have done that. And, you know, it's a, there's a whole – look, I've been there – 
where Laz is writing from, I've been there covering the Senators. It's an awful feeling. You don't want to be cheering for your the team that you watch or cover. or You don't want them to lose all the time. It's just terrible for everyone's atmosphere and morale. Like, but, like, I need you to hit me up with some solutions. Because I think everybody points at tanking and says, this is, we got to fix the problem. I don't know that I've heard one solution that I love. But I feel like you're an ideas guy, Julian. Okay, I mean, Hit I have me two. I have two that I workshopped with producer Chris before we started, I, and I am open to these ideas being altered as we go. I don't necessarily hate uh, the buddy system. I think it's hilarious. I don't know if that would work in in real reality. And Lazarus's idea is cool, but I think even if you even the odds for everybody, there's still some sort of element of tank- tanking. I'm gonna bring back the tournament idea, but you have uh, like. Maybe the bottom four teams in each conference play uh, in a t- in-season tournament. Basically, from the trade deadline on, uh, you just put all of those teams in some kind of tournament. Maybe you put them through round-robin play or whatever, and then they play out their season. And the winner of that tournament gets the number one overall pick. However, what you could do is... Take the records and yeah, take the records and win percentages of all the other teams who don't win. And, you know, say like Columbus is like the worst team in the NHL and they get put into this tournament and they lose in the first round. They still have the worst like records, so they should still get the best odds to get the second overall pick if you do the draft lottery. So all those players, all those teams play through a tournament where they get the first overall pick. And then after all that, uh, the worst team in the league gets the best odds, and you still have them go through a draft lottery system. You know what? Okay, so here's the the counter argument to that sort of playoff, play in style, whatever tournament is. The feeling is always that the players don't want to sacrifice their body; like they're not trying to get the first overall. They look at that for the most part. Most guys look at the young guys coming in. It's like they're they're here to take my job. Like a lot of guys yeah. are like, wow, my job, why would I block a shot? Like I, th- there's that argument to it. Right. I, I don't mind your idea though. Like I, I, I like the idea of playing for something rather than, you know, being rewarded for losing. But that's like, I've always thought that the, <laughs> the, the, the plan that's always been floated out, the gold plan is <laughs> the best one, which is, Hey, the minute you are eliminated from playoff competition, now you start accumulating points and the team with the most points after being eliminated from the playoffs, you get the first overall pick. Now the issue with that theory is, okay, let's say this year, Columbus, Chicago, Anaheim, they're all like, okay, well, as soon as we get eliminated from the playoffs, then we need to collect points. Now does it incentivize you to tank even earlier? Because you're like, wow, let's just be terrible till February. And then, if we have more runway to get points, we'll get the first overall. It's there's no perfect system, but it does feel like like I like your idea. I just you know I, I'm thinking every idea. The problem is every idea has drawbacks and flaws to it, right? And and okay, uh, I have another idea. But yeah, let's let's I go with idea number two. I think this is even more radical, and I'd love to know your your thoughts on this. Abolish the draft entirely, like get rid of it. And you have players from the upcoming draft class. Let them pick. Uh, essentially, treat them as free agents. You just give them like a period of time where they're able to negotiate deals 
uh, with teams. And obviously, people are going to hear this and be like, oh, well, you know, uh, the players are obviously going to want to go to the best teams. That might not necessarily be true. A team like Colorado might not have space for a particular type of player who could be available at number one overall. They might not get that same playing time. They might also want to play for uh, a team that might give them that chance. And even then, some people are like, oh, well, you know, what about some of the worst teams that, you know, some undesirable places that might not be able to do it? I think if you allow the bottom five teams in each, maybe not, no, not each conference, the bottom five teams in terms of standings, you grant them a contract exception. Are you familiar with the designated player rule in Major League Soccer? No. So essentially, like there's a salary cap in MLS, but each team is allowed like three DP spots or designated player spots. You're able to negotiate with a player and sign them to a deal that doesn't apply to your to your salary cap. You could just give them whatever they want and you gotcha. just use a DP slot. Essentially, you give the bottom five teams essentially a designated player spot where they could go to that player and be like, okay, well, you could sign in Tampa for whatever reason, and they only have so much cap space, and they could give you like maybe two mil a year on a three-year deal. I guess that you could take that. Or we already think that you're a pretty talented player, and we're going to give you a $10 million deal for the next like five, six, seven seasons because we think you're that good. And just to use Columbus again, not trying to pick on Columbus, but we're able to give you that because we're among the five worst teams in the league at that time. And we're able to accommodate you. Like that's a way to even the playing field. Okay. I don't hate it. I don't outwardly hate the idea. Uh, Yeah. Listen, I like, I think something like that could be palatable. Uh, the only problem is, yeah, like, I mean, are you going to get those certain teams? Like, like you said, like this year, if it's if it's Anaheim, Columbus, Chicago, they're like, look, uh, Adam Fantilli, Connor Bedard, we can we can give you a ton of money and whatever. Like, okay, or what about this? You know, kind of leapfrogging off your idea, which I think has some, you know, worthy points to it. What if every year the bottom five teams, okay? the bottom five teams of the standings, they were allowed to basically court the top five prospects. Give us your pitch. Tell us why we should. And then those top five prospects that are set, like ranked by central scouting and they can agree upon these are the five guys, then those five teams, they get to aggressively pursue those five players. And then on draft day, it's the player going up and announcing where he's going. That's sick. And that's, and I like that ending part, especially because I'm always trying to think, okay, like, you know, it's one thing for us to talk about it and people tweet about it. What am I doing? On, on May 9th or May 8th, those five players, they're all going to decide where they want to go. Where are you going to find? Where are you going to find me? In my living room watching day. that unfold. Yeah. Signing day. Signing day. NHL signing day. Where will Connor Bedard pick? Like, is he going to Anaheim? Is he going to Chicago? Is he going to Columbus? Is he going to uh, San Jose? Is he going to Montreal? Like, come on. Like, that's that is a, that is a good idea. In fact, actually, you could you could combine my second idea and that idea together. Maybe you don't have to make it like all of the potential first round picks or whatever. You can just limit it to those top five players and let those bottom five teams just duke it out for those guys. And then I guess for everyone else, you so, play out some kind of draft. So play this out for a second. Now you're Connor Bedard and you have to go and you visit with Anaheim and they're trying to woo you and the jackets, they're trying to woo you. 
and Chicago, right? And and all of a sudden, you're like, man, I got a decision to make here, and and it's, I don't know, like, and and now to me, it would also incentivize you to not strip down your roster too much because now if you're trying to woo Connor Bedard and be like, hey man, come play for us, he might look at your roster and say, well, I don't want to join you. You got a a bare bones operation here. Ah. That the same, but at this, but it's kind of weird because there is that fact, but isn't there? Wouldn't there still have to be some kind of stripping down in order to be in that position in the first place? I, I like, guess so. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think yeah. you. I think you would. I, I ultimately, I think like even with all the ideas that we're providing, like unless you put yourself in a situation where you just say, okay, every single team uh, has a legitimate shot, the number one overall pick there will always be some kind of option for teams to meddle around and put themselves in a position to get a generational player if they're available. Like, it's just like a player like Connor Bedard doing what he's doing. Like, there are teams you could look at in the standings right now and be mad at and be like, well, why didn't you do everything you needed to do to be in the spot to draft this player or at least come close to that? But like, I don't know. Like, like every other, it can't happen every other year. But especially no. this year, for a player of, of, of his caliber, like, I sort of get it. I want to ask you about the team you cover, the Calgary Flames, because this is a really interesting week for Calgary. Uh, obviously a tough blow. Losing, leaving that point on the table to Vancouver was tough. Losing to Chicago was tough. Uh, it's still plausible. They're, very, look, they're one point out of the playoffs. Uh, Winnipeg, though, can go a long way. Uh, with a win here on Monday against San Jose. But uh, I break this down for me. I mean, I want you to tell me going into this week, if I asked you realistically, what's your gut say on the chances of Calgary qualifying for the playoffs? Man, I feel as if it all comes down to today for me, just from the Flames vantage point. They They need Winnipeg to lose. And even if they win, like they they need to win the game regardless. But like I think if you're the Flames and you see that Winnipeg loses their game against San Jose today, and then you have a chance to win, and then you jump over them, even though you'll have a game in hand on them, I think that means everything, everything to the Calgary Flames, who at that point will only have the San Jose Sharks to play, a team that they've already beaten twice. If you're the Winnipeg Jets, you're ending your season against Minnesota. And Colorado. And if you're in a position where you lose what should be a gimme against the San Jose Sharks and you put yourself in a position where you have to go up against the Wild, a team that I don't know if they've beaten them at all this year, and Colorado being Colorado, you make it very hard on yourself. Yeah. And and I'll even mention the Nashville Predators too, who are playing the Calgary Flames. Let's say they beat the Calgary Flames and they find themselves in that position where they're trying to compete for a playoff spot too. Still, they also have the Wild in the Avalanche. Uh, to finish their season two. If you're the Flames, you have to take care of business tonight, but you kind of have to hope Winnipeg drops the ball. They need three points in their final three games. And if they drop the ball against San Jose tonight, them getting three points in any fashion against Colorado or Minnesota, that is going to be very, very tough. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know what's great to me is that I love that we have, look, we talked about the Bruins. There's no race there. We have really interesting races in the, in, in the Atlantic where, or sorry, the, the Atlantic, the Metro where the Hurricanes are only one up on the Devils. 
in the Central, where it's a three-team race, in the Pacific, where the Oilers are still only two points out, both wildcard races. Like, you know what? I will say that this feels like the most fun final week of the regular season I can remember in a while in terms of a lot of things being up in the air. Like, when we're doing this next week, we're going to know the playoff seedings, who's playing who, day one of the playoffs. Like, I get that. But it's kind of interesting that we're having this conversation now. And if I'm not mistaken, the only locked-in playoff matchup we have is Toronto and Tampa. That's it. We do not know any other matchup. And I can't even sit here and tell you. I think we know the Rangers are going to finish third in their division, right? That that mm. feels like that that it's locked in. But beyond that, I and I, and it feels like LA is going to finish third in in their division. But beyond that, I I, I don't. I guess Seattle's got the first wild card spot, kind of locked yeah. up. Yeah, uh, I mean, I actually, guess. Uh, but who they're playing, yeah, I don't and, know. And, and, and and if you look at the standings here, Seattle has 98 points. Los Angeles has 100. There's still an outside chance that, like, Seattle climbs back into the Pacific top three and then, like, Los Angeles oh, yeah. falls into that wildcard spot. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's you know still what? very Good. much in play. Good point. And I apologize. The Rangers, I thought the Rangers were four back. The Rangers are two back of the Devils. I thought they were four back. So I Rangers absolutely have home ice to play for. Uh, this absolutely. is great. Like, They're only like, three back of Carolina. For all the times that we... And, and I say we, I mean me in particular, uh, kind of slag on the NHL and talk about we need to improve the playoff format and play and whatever. I don't know that I could ask for more as a hockey fan than what we have on the table this week. And even the one division that's wrapped up, the Bruins are on the verge of maybe setting some history. So there, there's something to watch in every division and in every race. And I don't know that we can ask for much more as hockey fans, right? Can you live with the fact that off of what you just said in a world where maybe Gary Bettman listens to the athletic hockey show. Oh. He hears everything you just said. He sits back in his chair in his office and he just does a little, hmm, I told you, you know, does a little, I told you so. I know. Can you handle I, that? Got, I thought it was going to be like an evil cackle with his. Excellent. You know, go full Mr. Burns on us. Um, if Gary it, Bettman sounded like Mr. Birds, like that would be, I mean, the memes would be out of control. Oh, that would be good. Uh, speaking of Toronto, Tampa being the only playoff series locked in, those two teams play each other on Tuesday night. What if you had to guess and predict the type of game? There's two ways this could go. We either get two teams that are like, hey, it's message sending time. Let's let's send a message. Let's show them what we're bringing six days from now. Or it's a, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, every, everyone stay cool. Everyone stay cool. Just nobody get hurt. We'll see you next week. And is there anything Toronto can do in this game that leads you to believe or have any more faith in them? Or is this just, it doesn't, they, Toronto could win this game 5 nothing, and we'd be like, yeah, whatever, man. Just do it next week. Is that how you feel? Yeah. That's kind of how that's, I feel. That's a, I don't know if I'm tripping or not, but didn't the Leafs have a game against the Lightning last year near the end of the year where like they they I think they beat them. It was like a, it was like a pretty resounding win and like it ultimately meant like nothing. In the, yeah. Well, actually no. Well, I mean sort of. Okay, so there was a game at the end of last year where uh the Lightning beat 
the breaks off of the Leafs, like eight to one. And every, and I don't know how people remember that going, but like it was late in the year. And it ended up being a seven game series that was very close. So, yeah, I have a hard time thinking that anything that really comes from that game could carry over into that uh, beyond like actual injuries. I have a hard time thinking that a game like that at this juncture in the season will have all that type of meaning uh, in an actual playoff series. I also wonder if it's just going to be calm just because if you're looking at some of the different injuries that have been stacking up for the Tampa Bay Lightning, they can't really afford to put themselves in a position where they get themselves more and more injured. I I think it's just going to be a calm, calm type of day, calm type of night. And hey, maybe the Leafs look at that situation and say, well, you know what? We're just going to use that as an opportunity to rest Mitch Marner again uh, or Mark Giordano, for example. Like it's I, I like I. I, I think if you're if you want to use the term load management, that looks like a load management game to me. Would you have a problem if the Maple Leafs announced that Jet Alexander was starting the game? I, that'd be a bit weird. But bring this no. full circle. Jet Alexander is going to play. See, you would have a problem with it. I would have a problem with it. I didn't <laughs> say that. I joke. I said it was being very weird. Yeah, I know. But like that would um, be pretty weird. It would be weird. Uh, but anyway, listen, there, there's some fun fun games this week. And I, I, I to me, that one's interesting because I, I wonder what the temperature is going to be. The other thing I want to ask you before we wrap up the pod, mm-hmm. how, do you think ho- how do you think hockey fans feel about the Pittsburgh Penguins right now? Like the pe- Look, and I'm going to give a ton of credit to the Islanders, the Panthers, and the Penguins. In the last few days, they've all been winning. It's not like uh, they're all losing like they were a couple of weeks ago. They've all suddenly hit full throttle. Like... I wonder, are hockey fan like the Penguins have this w- unbelievable streak, right? What is it, 16 years in a row of making the playoffs? Um, does the uh, Is the average hockey fan who has no rooting interest in the Penguins, are you sick of the Penguins, or do you want to see Crosby in the playoffs? Possibly against <sighs> the Bruins. I, like, I'm not sick of the Penguins. I'm sick of the Penguins falling short in the first round because goaltending has let them down. No, that I think that. is a little bit more specific. I but like, feel like that's, that's where the head is this year. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, kind of. If that means I'm sick of the Penguins, maybe that that's what that means. But it would be a damn shame if they make the playoffs and they meet their end again in the first round, especially when you're seeing a guy like Sidney Crosby playing through the twilight of his career as a 35 year old and still still providing. Uh, amazing number. He has 91 points in 80 games this year. Look, like, like the last two seasons, 62 points in 55 games in the shortened year. 84 points in 69 games last year. And then 91. He's at 1,500 proper for his career. Actually, here's a weird one. 550 goals, 950 assists, 1,500 points. Yeah. That's so actually, it's so e- that's actually like, really so satisfying. Clean, right? Yeah. It's, there's something very satisfying about that. Absolutely. But yeah. like when you see a player like him play at the level that he's playing at, you can even go further back and, and look at like 2019, 2020, only played four playoff games after that, 47 and 41. He got a 100-point season in 2019, only played four games. Like I'm trying to remember the last time the Penguins got out of the first round. Like it's it's just – well, I, it's a they, bit of a they shame. Ha- they haven't, have they? Have they been out of the first round since they won the cup in seventeen? Like it's a shame that 
this team has essentially just, okay, they have their run making the playoffs, but it's not a team that has been continuing to make runs and taking advantage of their best players still playing at a high level. Like it's, it's a, it's a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. I, I, I hate to say it, but if they, if they make the playoffs, it feels like that the pattern is going to simply repeat, right? Like that they'll get in into the first round and, and, and be, and, and and be out. And I apologize. They, they did get out of the first round in 2018, uh, the year okay, after they won so, the cup. But since then, they have not been out of the first round since 2018. So four straight years of one and done. Like that's just so frustrating, especially for a team that doubled down and said, "Hey, you know, we're going to keep, uh, we're going to keep uh, Malkin and and Latang and all those guys all together because we believe in the score." And I get it. You need all those like they're they're penguins for life. But if the farthest you're going to go is the first round, like you got to rethink that strategy. Let me uh, let me jump right into multiple choice madness here to wrap up the pod on this Monday, because the penguins are part of this. I'm going to give you a list and we're going to have to listeners. You join in here too. you hit us up on Twitter, on email, the athletic hockey show at gmail.com or leave a comment in the comment section. Answer this question for us. Riddle us this. Which potential wildcard team actually has a legit chance of pulling off a first-round upset in the playoffs this year? Okay, so I'm going to list a bunch of teams that I think are either either they're going to, obviously they're going to make the playoffs or they're going to end up in a wildcard spot. Um, so who has the best chance of pulling off a first-round upset in the playoffs? New York Islanders, Florida Panthers, Pittsburgh Penguins, Seattle Kraken, Winnipeg Jets. Calgary Flames, or let's throw them in because they've still got a little bit of a, a pulse here, the Nashville Predators. Julian, which team? Islanders, Panthers, Penguins, Kraken, Jets, Flames, Predators, best chance to pull off a first-round stunner this year? Man, this is where the, this is where the, the lack of set matchups for the playoffs comes into play because, like, like if the Islanders are that, I mean, we know in, in the East, Boston is going to play a wildcard team. So if it ends up being the Islanders, I still think they have the best chance at an upset. Does that mean they're going to win? Maybe not. But I think just off the fact uh, they could play a defensive style and suffocate and they have good goaltending, that's going to help them. I think they have a better chance compared to Florida, compared to Pittsburgh. In the West, that's where it gets so much more tricky. Like, Look at who's the best team in the Western Conference right now. The Vegas Golden Knights. If we're getting a Vegas-Calgary series, I'm picking Calgary. I think Calgary has a way of, has a style that could play up to Vegas. Vegas is a tough team. But remember, they don't have guys like Mark Stone, too. I mean, they're going to have to, they might still see them in the playoffs if they if they heal up right. But, like, yeah, like I don't know. Like I, There's something about that Vegas team, even though they do play hard and they play well. There's just something about them I don't trust. Just they, they haven't been as dominant as, as much as yeah, to- as much as I totally. would think. So I could see a scenario where like Calgary and the style that they play, if they catch fire at the right time, they could give Vegas a run for their money. If it's Edmonton, it might be Edmonton in six. Like they're 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 dominant. They could score goals, and they've shown that they could do that in the playoffs. And the only reason why they lost last year was because they ran up against a team that could score goals, defend, and do everything right in Colorado. But like. Vegas, Calgary. Maybe this is a take, but like I, I would take Calgary in seven. But my okay. official answer is the Islanders. 
Yeah, you know what? And it's hard to disagree with you because I think usually, and we talked about this earlier in the podcast, when there's an upset in the playoffs, what's usually the deciding factor? Goaltending, right? Goaltending. And I think you can say this with some degree of certainty that there are goaltending question marks with the Penguins. There's goaltending question marks with the Panthers. There's question marks in the crease with the Kraken. So I would almost remove those three teams saying, look, I, I like their star power on some of the, like I like the depth in Seattle, but I don't know that the goalie can steal the series. When you talk about goalies who can steal series, now you're talking Sorokin. Now you're talking Hellebuck. I mean, if Nashville somehow sneaks in, I, I wouldn't want to face UC Soros. I'll, I'll UC say that Soros, UC Soros is turning himself into a Vezina candidate. Boy, oh boy. Like, I, that's like, insane. Yeah. And he's one of those goalies where you could just, there's not very many goalies that you would say this about, but like you could picture, if you close your eyes, you could see the headline now, Saros makes 63 saves in Predators' overtime win, right? Like you could see it It's because it could just totally happen, right? Uh, but I'm with you. I think the Islanders and Sorokin, I don't want to face the Islanders if Ilya Sorokin is gone because you're going to talk about Vesna Trophy candidates. I'd, I'd have him on my list or at least in the conversation. Absolutely. Um, so, um, you know what? I'm with you. It's the Islanders for me. Yeah. Also, too, with, with Calgary, I also understand that there are questions to be asked about Jacob Markstrom as well. Not just to say yeah. that just for the sake of saying it, but for, for continuity's sake, since we're talking about questions for goaltending. But, I mean... He, he's not the same you know, that he was... You know, a couple of years ago when he no. was just so dominant, uh, he, he's not there. But, again, he's got it in his... In his tool bag, he's got it. It's just whatever reason it hasn't worked out for him this year. Uh, but I, I would rather face the Panthers, Penguins, and Kraken than Jacob Markstrom. Like, I, I have more questions about those other teams than Markstrom. Uh, yeah, you know that's fair. That's fair. But that, that's more of an indictment on those teams than, a, than it is an endorsement of Markstrom. It's just there's some some teams with questionable, uh, questionable goal tank. Okay, Jack Adams... Hey, this is the last time we're doing this, I guess, right? Well, I guess, no, I oh, guess we'll wow, have really? it one more, well, one more next week, I guess, because the regular season will wrap up, but wrapping it up with the, the, the coach who did the best job. And you know what was weird? I look back, there were six teams, Julian, that had a perfect week in the NHL that played three games or more and were perfect with the record, okay? So you got Seattle and Colorado, they were 4-0. Florida, Edmonton, Dallas, and surprise, surprise, Boston all went 3-0. So we got Haxtell and Bednar. We got Paul Maurice, Jay Woodcroft. We got Pete DeBoer. We got Jim Montgomery, as always. Who did the best job coaching last week? Um, I'm going to give it to Dave Haxtell because essentially in that streak, uh, the Kraken were able to clinch a playoff spot for the very first time in their very brief franchise history. And I think the fact that they were able to accomplish such a feat so early in their tenure playing above what they expected to be. I, I don't think that should go unnoticed. And I wonder, uh, where will Dave Haxtall's name be when we consider coaches of the year? I mean, Jim Montgomery, you can make a very, I, th I think you can make a very great case. He should win it off the fact that it's his first year and he turns that team into arguably, the, not arguably, but like the greatest regular season team we've ever seen in the NHL. Uh, so I, he, he'll probably lead. Uh, actually, there's a really funny, really cool tweet from from Chris Peters, uh, who uh, works for uh, Flow Hockey now. He was tweeting about Jim Montgomery the other day. 
coached the Bruins to the most wins in an NHL season, 63. Coached the Dubuque Fighting Saints of the USHL to the most points by a team in a USHL season. And he captained Maine. I don't know if you remember back in the days when he was playing alongside Paul Correa at the University of Maine. So the most wins by a team in a single season in the NCAA at 42. Jim Montgomery knows a thing or two about win- winning. So it yeah. wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, like that's that's a pretty wild story. Um, that is crazy. That's insane. But I think just for this week, I'm willing to give it to Dave Haxtall. But I, I imagine at the end of the year, I mean, when it's all said and done, uh, I don't know who actually gets the vote on the Jack Adams, but uh, Jim Montgomery, I think, is a front runner for the actual award. Yeah, I think it's the uh, the broadcasters, uh, like play by play analysts. I think they they vote on the Jack Adams. Uh, I'm gonna give my vote though, Paul Maurice. The Panthers had to win these three games, and look, Seattle was probably gonna make the playoffs. Everyone else on this list was likely going to make the playoffs, punch their ticket, except for one team, Florida Panthers, and Paul Maurice lit up the Panthers in the middle of that Leafs game last week, and it seemed to work, and they won all three games. That would be my guy for this week. I'm with you. Montgomery for the season, Maurice for the week. So for me. now that we – if this is the last one of the year, like how does it work for us now? Are we counting well, up no, We'll all have one wins? next week to look back to this week, I guess, right? And then okay. producer Chris, maybe he's been tabulating all of these, and then he'll tell I us at the end of the year. Because, like, there were some guys who, like, it should be obvious, but there are other guys who are just, like, you know, like, we should acknowledge them because they wouldn't normally get it sometimes because or the degree of difficulty, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're thinking of, like, your finalist for, for Coach of the Year, like, Jim Montgomery has to be there. Dave Haxtell, I think, has to be considered. I, yeah, I, think, I think Haxtell does. I think on some, to some extent. Lindy Ruff, too, yeah, has to be considered. Because of the 50-point and 48-whatever-point improvement uh, the Devils are going to end up making, whatever it is, almost 50 points, uh, that's a remarkable turnaround that the coaching staff deserves some credit uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but, but there's a few candidates in there that certainly deserve uh, – you know, I, I think a lot of people sleep on Rod Brindamore uh, too and – I think he's done a wonderful job. Remember, they were the team that didn't go out and make the spot she traded the deadline, yeah, uh, like everybody else. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think Rod has them playing a good brand of hockey. I think Dean Evison, I think a lot of us weren't sure wh- what the heck, heck of the Minnesota Wild. They're maybe punching above weight for some people. Hey, look, there's a lot of candidates that are certainly in the, in, in the running. Um, but, yeah, producer Chris has been tabulating them all year. So we can, we can wrap it up next week and, and we'll give – Give the listeners the, the 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 final tally. Perfect. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, there we special go. edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. We yeah playoff Jack uh, playoff Adams. preview edition. That too. Yeah, the go. playoff preview. We got to remember that. Hey, that uh, that's pretty much all the time we have for the Monday. So look, next week when we get wow. back, we tee up the playoff matchups. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We'll find out are the Flames in? Are they out? Uh, it's gonna be an interesting week. It's gonna be a really fun week, and I'm looking forward to. Uh, to reconnecting next week, we set up the playoff previews, all that, uh, all that fun stuff. And then I, I, I got to find out if I owe you a tin of those cookies. Oh, that's true. We made a cookie bet, where which I said basically the playoff teams were going to be the the the, the wild card teams would be the Jets and the Kraken in the West, and the Penguins and the Islanders in the East. If there's any change to those four, I owe you a tin of uh, Danish cookies. 
And then I, so, I think I have to send you if that's how it works. Yeah. 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 So we'll see. All right. It comes right well, down to it. Let's let's see how that goes. But uh, I'll say this. Um, I just hope I know what's going to happen fairly soon, because if the play, because when we do this episode next week, who knows what city I'm going to be in if the flames make it, because that's still very much up in the air. You're that's why you're pulling for Vegas. That's why you're pulling yeah. for the Vegas fight. You just want a week in Vegas. <laughs> that's what you want. I, I, I just want like I just want to know credit- where I'm going. I'd like to see your credit card statements and see if you've already purchased Blue Man Group tickets. No. In advance. No. Locked it down. No. I yeah. would never tell you if I did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love it. That. Uh, all right. We're going to leave it there. want to thank everybody for listening to the Athletic Hockey Show. Follow us on your favorite uh, podcast platform. Leave us a rating and review. We'd appreciate that. Now, Julian, I'm going to read the, 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 the text here from the script as is, okay? This okay. is what was put in to the script for me to read as the host. I just want to say, and this is totally off the cuff right now, we truly have a great producer, a great guy, a good-looking guy working with us. That would be Chris Flannery. If you're listening right now, maybe just give a little round of applause wherever you are. Chris deserves it. He's the best. Chris, did you write that? Yeah, he sure did. I don't know how that. I don't know how that got there. It's weird. So strange. He he he, he bolded and underlined "good-looking guy." He said, "Make sure you really hit the tone on good-looking guy." So hopefully, I. Uh, he is good-looking. There we go. All right, and uh, right now we got a one-year subscription to the Athletic for a dollar a month. Visit theathletic.com/slash/hockey. Of course, you.